G'day, this is Andy from the Four Wheel Drive Tribe podcast, and uh, and this is an episode. This is an episode to fill in something I forgot for the last episode. Um, the episode went a fair while. If you've listened to the Canning Stockroot episode, you know it went for a, for a while. But I've got I've got Jed with me again. Jed from WA Adventure, Explore WA, four-wheel drive adventures. And, uh, and Jed's, Jed was the, uh, the canning stock route guru on our last episode. And one thing that I thought about is that I reckon we didn't go over too much in vehicle prep about spares and stuff because I got some questions on that. So g'day, Jed. G'day, Ernie. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Now, now, one thing, we, we went into a lot of stuff about the canning last episode, but one thing I wanted to go into was a bit more detail was about vehicle vehicle prep and spares. So if you were to go get your vehicle service, this is not like, um, look, if I was going to go get my vehicle service, I'd be going to get, get it get everything that need to be serviced on that scheduled service and a full checkover, but I'd be asking him to whack a spanner on every bolt that he can find on that car. Good, good move. Yeah, if uh, if there's a loose bolt or somewhere it's a, a weak point, the, the canning will find it. So, I think that's um yeah definitely a great view to have if you're going to get some vehicle prep done. It's certainly a requirement or a prerequisite of our trips to the canning. We we ask people to go and have a full vehicle checkover, um, and that includes you know of looking at things that. Roof racks are always forever coming loose on the canning. You can have things like bull bar bolts coming loose. Your spotlights will rattle out. Um, I know I said the corrugations weren't too bad, but they can be. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that um, having a vehicle that is in tip-top shape is paramount for the remote journey that you're undertaking. So a pre-trip inspection, there is nothing, no substitute for a good pre-trip inspection from not just a not just a general servicer either. You need to go to a specialist four-wheel drive shop that understands these vehicles. Yeah, and, and look, I wasn't joking when I said I'd be asking to go over every nut and bolt because stuff does come loose. And even yourself is to, to be going, you know, if you've got a, an ostrich wing or some sort of awning, to be going, make sure that you've gone over those nuts and bolts. And, and the other thing too I was thinking about, Jed, was was taking spare nuts and bolts. Absolutely. They'll mm. come in handy. I guarantee if you're not using them, someone else will be. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, that's – and it's a bit hard trying to work out what size stuff to take. Mm. You have to sort of just grab an assortment. I mean, um, <laughs> our mate Rolf I touched on in the last episode, um, it was like a bunning store in the back of his car, and um, it was great because he uh, actually helped myself out a couple of times when I didn't have the right size or depth. It does vary. So having the ability to have a variety there is important. Um, and I definitely would wait in your store's uh, kit. Nuts and bolts are fairly high up there on the list. Yeah. It. Um, the, the other thing too, what about shockies? Yeah. Look, I think shockies are an important one. Um, modern four-wheel drive systems are fairly good, um, especially with – the aftermarket shock absorbers. If you're driving the canning on stock shock absorbers, um, I, I don't really advise that. Uh, but also, I think the big, the big thing as well, which I touched on in our last episode, Andy, was about weight. Now, you can go and carry spare shock absorbers or spare strut assemblies, or you can go and carry all these things. But the amount of extra weight, mm. it's just if you're going to have a big failure and you don't carry it, you're going to and you could have carried it, you're going to say, oh, God, I wish I bought that. But if you carry all this weight around, yeah. you don't need it. You're going to go, in, in all my time doing the canning, I've, I've been doing the canning uh, for six seasons that I have. We haven't had a significant mechanical breakdown as such. Um, 
pre-day checks, like start checks on the day. When you finish up at, at lunch, just ducking your head under, hearing a noise. I've always got a rule on our trips. If you hear a noise that doesn't sound right, stop straight away. Don't let it develop. Yeah. Let's have a look. Um, shockies themselves, look, it can be great, but where do you stop? Where do you draw that line of what, what to carry as a spare? Um, I do have some good ideas for your listeners of what we do carry on the canning, um, but shock absorbers as a whole, uh, I don't carry them now. I just have very good yeah, quality right. ones and make sure they're in good condition. See, I would I would worry about them. I've got the I've got, and I don't mean to bag levels, but look, this just is what it is. But but I've got the levels GVM upgrade, and back in two thousand seventeen, I only had like like the the single valve shocks. And I've gone through on some on some wheels four shocks in 150,000 k's. Wow! So you know, and that'd be one of my questions is is whether you take uh, spare shocks is to look at the age of your shocks and go, you know, they don't they don't last forever. You know, mm. if you've done 100, 120,000 k's on that that set of shocks, well, maybe give your old girl a birthday and put a new set on before you do the canning. Yeah, rather than take spares. I think looking at holistically like that, it's a good idea. I mean, ultimately, we've got to understand we could just have a failure and nothing. You know, yeah. you, could snap a front, you could snap a front strut, and more often than not, when that happens, it takes out everything else as well. Yeah. There is entry points on the canning where if you need to get out, you can in spots. Um, they don't come up often, but when you take them, you're a mile from anywhere. But, yeah, it's one of those age-old things. You can bring every spare part under the world and not need it, and then I know I said – Better looking at it than for it, but there is a limit. Yeah. You just have to be careful. <laughs> I, I, I have I have seen people put their spares lists up on Facebook and stuff, and I've looked and gone, mm. "Holy moly, that's there's just so much weight just in that." And no, no ice creams and zoopadoopers in the freezer, mate. No, mate, no. <laughs> and, and look, that's the key. So it's 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 sort of I don't know, like like what do you take? And and I guess that's the next question: how, if something does break, mm. can you get recovered, and how do you get recovered? And who yeah, recovers I'll, you? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go two parts to your question there. So, I'll, let me just run you through a basic spares list. Of, yep, of let's what do that. I recommend. I'll, I'll keep it brief. I don't want to put too much into it. But basically, um, a big one is fuses. All right. So these days we have a lot of electronic gadgets and a lot mm-hmm. of different fuse types. So I always tell people you need to be bringing whether they're MIDI fuses, whether they're mega fuses. Uh, whether they're normal blades, mini blades, micro blades. We all have these different fuses in our cars. One of the big ones is for UHF aerials. We've actually got glass tube fuses. So oh. if, you, if you lose your comms, um, most of the units, or some of the units indeed have um, little glass fuses which sit in a holder. If you lose that on the trip because it vibrates apart, for example, then you've got no comms. So just understanding what you have in your vehicle and, and preparing for that. Um, Filtration is another big one, so you want to make sure that you have spare fuel and uh, air filters. I always carry two of each when I'm when I'm travelling the canning. Yeah. Um, and modern vehicles are much more less forgiving when you um, give them a dose of bad fuel or or you know bad air, and they tend to um, not not enjoy that experience. <laughs> um, neither does our neither does our hip pocket either. Um, and tyres is obviously a big one. Two tyres. Uh, we always carry dual on the canning. Um, quality off-road tyres. I know we touched on that um, previously, but yeah, just good quality light yeah. truck construction tyres. Um, 
and definitely that's an important one. Outside of that, any vehicle-specific stuff, so if you have specific tooling, uh, let's just say in my Land Cruiser, if I need to pull a CV out, there's a special socket I need to have. If you drive a, um, a Land Cruiser with manual front hubs, uh, you need a, a hub socket so you can adjust the nuts for a wheel bearing if one comes loose. Just little things like that that are specific to your car that you might need to tend to, you need to bring those along. Yeah, and, and I guess for me it would be about, you know, I'm not the most mechanically minded, um, and I'd be go- the stuff like that is where I would be going in, in for the service and to a good quality mechanic to be going, mate, whether the wheel bearings are due this time or not, um, pull them out, have a look at them. If they need grease, do it. If not, put it all back. Make sure everything's tight, everything's done, so that the, your chance of a malfunction is 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 a lot less. Yeah, absolutely. You want to set yourself up. Um, yeah, you want to set yourself up for um, you know success rather than it's much easier to fix it or, or get it tended to down there in, in the city at your service provider than when you're in the middle of the canning. And and it's uh, yeah, and it's easy to look at cost, Jed, to be going. Oh, I don't, I can't really afford that service and the trip. But then, you know, that's getting it looked at at that service is a lot cheaper than getting it sorted out on the canning or getting your, getting your car extracted. Just on that air filter thing, there's one thing I learned about tag-alongs is that, is that um, you know, some, you, you're driving in a convoy and if you've got the dust, some days the wind doesn't blow. So no matter how far you try and stay back, it's, sometimes it's really hard to stay out of the dust. You can be, yeah, that's for sure. And we always recommend filter socks too, Andy. They're, they're really handy in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I did a podcast on filter socks because I did a trip where I, I tested them, and I'm absolute a convert of that in any sort of group. They absolutely work. Um, they're great. They're and, great. And, yep, and I did a convoy, and I pulled my air filter out straight after. I got a uni filter, and, mate, it was as good as gold. The filter socks, I went through a few, but but – um, yeah, the, the air filter was, was well and truly looked after. So I would say if something like that would be filter socks to be definitely looking at it. Um, and that could be even, you know, if you get stuck behind a, a four-wheel drive truck or something that's going slow, you might be in the dust for a while um, on, on a truck, whether you're not in a convoy. But anyway, that was something I just thought I'd add in because um, it is something you tend not to think about if you do a lot of, of your own solo travelling because you can please yourself. But if yeah. you are in a group, sometimes dust can be an issue and, and the wind doesn't always blow where you want it to. No, that's right. Um, e- exactly. And look, like you said, the experience you had with the filter socks for a very inexpensive price that they cost, they are a great help. They're bugger um, all. I'll, I'll just finish up on the on the last of the spares list now for, for what we take. So when you touched on nuts and bolts, that's a great one. Um, we have various things like metal steel putty, hose clamps, um, and various uh, bits of tape that we can use to reaffix stuff. Um, having uh, gauges of wire is very handy, so like fencing wire, heavy gauge fencing wire, because um, you never know what you can hang up, whether an exhaust comes off or something like that. Um, that that sort of basic stuff is, is really important. Um, and it also comes back to when we were discussing in our previous podcast, Annie, about sharing the load and, you know, pooling mm. resources. You don't have to carry all this stuff when you're going in a group. This is where you can maybe say to people, guys, let's share a little bit of this load. I'll give you a classic example. It doesn't always apply to, to this trip exactly, but a high-lift jack. Not everybody in your group needs to carry a high-lift mm. jack. If there's one, one can be shared amongst the group, then that makes much more sense than yeah. five vehicles carrying one. 
Uh, leading into your second question there, and I, and I hope I've detailed enough on a spares list there. I mean, it does depend on uh, on people and, and their needs and, and their own vehicle, but that's some fundamentals that we will always carry. Um, but in terms of vehicle recoveries and, and, you know, what happens if something goes wrong, it is a long way from anywhere. So we really need to make sure that we have that uh, service vehicle, we're carrying spares and we can try and be self-reliant. But if we can't, and let's face it, these things happen, uh, we we have to call a, a contractor to come in um, more often than not. Um, uh, Laboured and Tilt Trade Service or Outback Towing. Um, Andy, he's a great fella, another, another name. <laughs> Um, and basically, uh, they do remote vehicle recovery. He's got a big old, I think it's an old Mac. Um, you can hear it coming from a mile away. Um, but basically, it is expensive. And um, I think one point that you touched on just before, Andy, if it's much cheaper to do it, if you're arming an R and down in the city, it's much cheaper to do it there than get your car extracted. Some of the figures would make most people cringe, um, depending on where you are and how inaccessible you are on the stock route. It can be very, very difficult to extract a vehicle um, and towing might not always be possible. So no. that's not to fear monger or, or, you know, scare people, but there is instances where, you know, gear has been abandoned and it's just scourge. Unfortunately, trailers is a big one. That's why we don't allow trailers on our tag-alongs. Um, but basically the, the stock route has a number from over the years of trailers just left um, where they just haven't make it. Mm. They haven't been able to make it. And, yeah, really extracting, depending on where you are, is a costly exercise. Um, if you're lucky enough, uh, I, I hate to use the word lucky, but if you happen to break down or come to trouble closer to one of the exit points or the um, you know areas on the stock route, it's definitely a bit cheaper. Would we be talking five to ten grand? Yeah, and then some if it, if it got bad. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that's the key is, is to be checking with your insurance or whatever if it's going to pay, but... Yeah, it's, there is property insurers, Andy. Um, I don't know if your listeners are familiar. Um, I have no affiliation with them, but um, uh, I don't actually hold this insurance myself. But Club Forex Four are a specialist insurer, and I do recommend people if you have your pride and joy, speak with a broker, specialist broker as well. Mm. Um, but they do have some levels of off-road coverage there, which you can apply to your policy. Uh, I believe, and please don't quote me on this, you need to do your own research, folks, but they did have uh, around $30,000 worth of coverage on one of their platinum policies, um, which allowed for, um, you know, the remuneration of you know, extraction of your vehicle if you come to trouble in a remote area. So yeah. there's things to look at like that. And, and that's it is expensive out of the Simpson too. I mean, anywhere remote, it's expensive. Oh, absolutely. I, I often thought that at Umbuguri. I'm going, man, we are so far from anywhere. How would you get... And not only that, some of the traction are on. I don't know how, we, how you would get something into recovery. Oh, almost, almost out there, mate. It's helicopter parts in and fix it where it lies. That's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking, yeah. Like you're not going to get a truck in. That's simple as that. No, no um, that's wrong. <clears throat> and that's what – the canning's probably a little bit more accessible than that. But some of those sand dunes are out there – you know, even with a big truck with a load on the back, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you talk about tyres, and I guess this is part of the track, it, like there's four-wheel driving, and, and then to me there's almost like overlanding, I guess, for want of yeah. a better term, for, for outback driving. And, like, if I was to do Umbulguri again, like I, I think I went with about 32-inch tyres, 31-inch tyres, I'm thinking, you know what, I'd buy a set of 33s just for that trip. Now, yeah. now, I don't use drive with 33s normally because it upsets my gearing, towing caravans and stuff. 
Um, mm-hmm. But but I would I would do it for that trip because that trip requires some extra clearance. But but the canning is it? This is more overlanding than four wheel driving, yeah. Yeah, look, call it overlanding. Um, that's that's probably a good way to sum it up. I mean, there is elements to it throughout there with challenges. So you have rocky jump ups in spots through yeah. some of the hills. You have um, obviously through the swales and, and immediate jump ups on the dunes. It can be uh, quite cut up, so you need a bit of articulation and you know bigger tyres sort of yeah. help with that as well. Uh, they can also uh, amplify the problem too, mind you. Yeah. But um, but ultimately. Yes, you can get away with a, a fairly modest vehicle. Um, a lot of it comes down to your tyre pressures and the way that you drive the thing. Yeah. yeah that, that's a, probably a very important takeaway from that point you raised, Andy. It's, you, don't, you don't need big 35s and, you know, all the bells and whistles to do the canning. Uh, in that sense, it's, um, yeah, less is more. All right, so, so we've got two spare tyres. I guess that's, that's, that's my key, and there's no real way to get away from that. I did often think about chucking a carcass up, but then you've got to take all the tools to change it. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll let you know something this year uh, that I actually did. For the first time, I actually only travelled with one spare. Um, oh, I have ummed and art about how I manage my tyre usage. Uh, I've been very lucky. I, in 10 years, I've done two tyres. Yeah. Uh, one, one was this year on some very, very worn out tyres coming back from our coast to coast desert adventure. Um, I put a rock through it. I was probably running slightly higher temperatures, or, uh, sorry, higher tyre pressures than I should have been. The high speed gravel section, I just put a rock through the, the carcass. But it is one of those things. I think it is better having the two spare tyres. Mm because of where you are, unless you have the utmost faith in being able to, A, repair, uh, whether you use a product like the tyre slime or, or have the ability to pull a wheel off and, and you know, affect a patch of some description. Um, I, I can do that. Um, so that's why I had that redundancy there. But, yeah, it's it's just sometimes easier to carry a spare assembly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, like you, it's, I rarely carry the two unless I'm – Going super remote, and um, yeah, and, I, and I've got to say, I've just had very few, very few instances where I've done those tyres, and I guess that's the key of trying to keep. I don't run them down too far. Mm. Uh, it's it's I, I tend to keep them with good tread. So it's but I you know yeah. who knows? Like you said, you you know yeah. in the last episode, we talk about your mate just turned one corner, hit a stump, yeah, and boom, yeah. two tyres gone. You know, like it yeah, can happen. And if you only had one there, how would you be feeling? So it's it's just one of these conundrums that we face. I think ultimately we have to plan for that worst case. Um, yeah. I, I have a lot of faith in the tyres that I use in my vehicle. Um, I'm not going to plug them, but yeah, it's um, I've used one brand and one carcass design, and I'm very, very confident in the pressures and the way in which I run them. But that doesn't take out the factor uh, of sometimes shit happens. No, <laughs> it's just how, how it goes sometimes. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I definitely think two tyres for the canning is is uh, the safe bet. Yeah. So, all right. So you've got your spares kit, and I think this is the key. I, I would be looking to go assess the age of your vehicle that you're going to take, mm. assess what your, your scheduled servicing is, and then and then maybe even look at your next scheduled servicing and make sure those items are, are, are ticked off as well. Um, because I don't know, I would I would look at it to go that the, the the best spares is being prepared before you need the spares. So, yeah. 
it's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah. You, you know, is to is to get in that workshop, and like you say, it's not really like taking your car to a dealer and going, "Give us a service." You, you know, for something like that, you really do need to be talking to someone that's got some experience servicing outback cars or servicing cars that that do get used. Because, you know, funny thing. I, I went. I went to um, like I had to get my diff rebuilt. You know, at one hundred and forty something, five thousand k's. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I said, and I said to the guy, like, lucky enough, I was in Brisbane. I went to a guy, his, his Dan Trans, and all they do is diffs and gearboxes. And I said, well, isn't this a bit early? He said, well, he said your K's are probably different to someone else's K's. He said, like, you tow that car. I said, yeah. I said, I've at least done fifty thousand K's. You know, with mm. a three point three ton caravan behind it, yeah, okay, and, yeah. and I've done, you know, and and a lot of four wheel driving tracks, mm. and so he goes, well, your K's are different to other people's K's. Like I would class you as maybe heavy heavy driving, so in mm, normal normal driving, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to rebuild a diff at two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand K's, but but with your type of driving, well, maybe that's you know that half, half that. And so I've gone, oh, okay. So I guess that's a way to think of it and think of your car. It, it's, it's like the type of Ks that you've done and what sort of use. I, I used to have a Volkswagen van, and at 135,000 Ks, I took that in to get a service. And Blake said, oh, you need, you need uh, new brake pads. I said, oh, yeah. He said, how many sets of pads you had? I said, oh, no, that's the first one. He said, oh, <laughs> shit, you must be from the country. I said, yeah, I just drive from Port Augusta to Adelaide, mate. It's 300 k's there, 300 k's home. He said, yeah, that'd be right. He said, if you lived in Adelaide in the city, he said, you'd have replaced them every 30, 35,000 k's. Yeah. So exactly. I guess that's the difference of, of looking at it. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm hard done by having to rebuild stuff like that, but it was just um, – and, look, and I've got to go back to him next year and have a look at my transfer case because I reckon there's a bit of slop in that. And, yeah, well, and, and the same it's thing – it is a good point you make, Andy. Definitely, I think how you use your vehicle. Simple. Yeah, and look, that's you know, yeah. There's a lot of like I said, Lovell's know me for, for for like a lot of those shockies have been replaced under warranty. But I said, well, I don't know, mate. All I'm doing is out four wheel driving and towing a caravan. I, I, to me, I don't think I'm doing anything different to what anyone else might be doing. But yeah. but you know, unfortunately, they've gone and created a um, they've got a new shocky a reservoir shocky. But the shockies I've got on mine, which came with the GVM upgrade, I think are about 160, 180 bucks. But the yeah. new ones are over a thousand. Really? So yeah. you so you go and where do you where do you go with that stuff? But these are all the quandaries that I think you look at when you do those big trips. Like especially the, the Canning would probably be. One of the, although Umbuguri, I'd rate these both the same, and both of them required a fair bit of thought from me. Um, thinking about vehicle prep, trying to make sure that we eliminated a problem. And I come back from Umbuguri with a leaking front diff, like I collected a rock and popped the seal there somewhere. So um, you know, stuff happens. Mm, absolutely, it does. Yeah, it's just being best prepared for it, I think, as, as best you can. Yeah. Um. Any, any other tips? Um, I think ultimately you're driving you're driving for economy when you're out there, but you're also just trying to be a bit more in tune with your vehicle and, and how you're driving. You know, when it gets a bit later on in the afternoon after you've had a nice feed for lunch and you start to go, a little nap would be good right now, you really just need to be attentive what you're driving into, onto, around. Um, having mechanical sympathy is a massive one. Um, you know, obviously treating the vehicle nice while you're out there. Ultimately, I think a lot of these vehicle breakages and stuff uh, can be avoided sometimes. Um, some of them simply can't. We know that. 
But being able to be onto an issue early and picking it before it becomes a big one, I think, is the key takeaway here. You really need to just, um, you know, understand where you are. <laughs> so anything you can do to make your journey a smooth sailing one, and, yeah, that's important. I think your point you just raised, mechanical sympathy or vehicle sympathy is a, is a big one, is being in tune in tune with your car. Um, mm. and, and like you say, you know, if things are bouncing and hitting and whatever, well, maybe you are going a bit hard. You know, if it feels mm. smooth, well, it is smooth. It's, Absolutely. It, it's, that's, that's the key. You know, I had, I had beers with the mechanic from Birdsville one day up on top of Big Red. We were watching the sunset. And we were talking about recoveries, and it was quite – I wish I could have got back to him for a podcast episode. But anyway, it never happened. But, but I said, well, what, what, are you, what, are you out there, what are most of the recoveries? He said, oh, tyre pressure and momentum. He said, mm. that's the two issues where I get called in. You know, yeah. it's tyre pressure's too high and, and hitting the sand hills too hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've got, a, I've got a video of me and the canning in my old uh, Land Cruiser where I just put it in first gear in low range and put the high idle on and just crawled up a boggy sand dune, just creeping and crawling up it, mate. No, no throttle input. And that's ultimately how you can drive these things when you've got your setup correct. Mm. And I could have done it in a much harder way and, you know, had my tyres up and belted along it, bang and crashed and got up. But how much extra work is that car doing to, to make that happen? Yeah, I, I guess that's the key, and, and that's the point, isn't it, with the weight? I mean, you just mm. can't do these trips. I don't know. I don't know how you can do these trips without weight. It's, you, you, you know, by the time you – I don't know what you leave home. Like I said, you know, in our last podcast, I rip through my car every now and again, probably a couple of times a year, and go, oh, what can I what can I take out? And I just keep revising stuff. Like I've just revised mm. my cooking system and gotten rid of one camp oven and put a different different – Way of cooking in with my with my fire pit and stuff, and I I went through and actually measured it all, and I've gone oh well I've taken this out I can now do this and I can actually do a few more things, but I've saved I don't know it was three or four kilos so I go oh, well that's a win, you know it's always when it goes the other way that's not good but yeah absolutely <laughs> but 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 you know just stuff like that and I don't know like on a big trip like that I as I said before my fear will be will be being heavy because the car's there. But having said that, it just means I've got to go quieter, you know, quieter on the pedal and just look after the car and, ha- and have what you said, that, that vehicle or mechanical sympathy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the key takeaway that you have there is, uh, you know, just we've got to treat the gear. We've got to treat the gear good <laughs> and look after it yeah. and um, take it easy. It's the only way to take it. Because it's got to get you home. Well, thanks a, thanks a lot, Jed, again. That's been a little addendum to the canning stock route, part two, if you like. Um, we just went a little bit more in-depth in vehicle prep, and I think that was really good. I picked up a heap of stuff there, Jed, and, uh, and mate, not only for the canning but for four-wheel driving in general. So uh, once again, thanks for your time. Pleasure, mate, and uh, thanks for having me back again. Uh, hope we can do it again soon, Andy. Absolutely, mate. And uh, look, if you're listening to this, thank you. I appreciate it. And make sure you subscribe or tell your mates. And I hope you've got something out of this episode as well. Stay tuned for uh, for what's to come and I hope I'll catch you on the road soon.